this man that was wanting to celebrate his parents' 45th wedding anniversary. He was trying to find the perfect gift and he happened to be at the mall and he comes across this pet store and in there he finds this exotic South American parrot that could speak 150 English words. He's all excited. He's like, this is perfect. So he has it sent to his parents and and he ends up calling like a week later and he calls and his dad picks up the phone. He's like, dad, dad, hey, congratulations on 45 years of marriage. Did you get the present I sent you? And his dad answers and says, um, yeah, son, it was delicious. And he goes, wait, delicious? Dad, th- this was a special South American exotic a parrot that could speak 150 words. And his dad goes, well, he should have said something. <laughs> Sorry, okay, well. I've told better ones, but amen. Hang in there with me. Hopefully the sermon will get better. All right. You know, we've been talking about bold generosity. And um, we learned actually that God's called us to pray bold prayers, to have bold vision. But here's what he's also called us to, is to, to be generous. In fact, we've learned that the Bible says the godly are bold like lions. And so I want you to read our theme verse as we finish this series. Next week, we're going to start a brand new one. But this week, I want to finish out with our theme verse, Psalm 37, verse 21. Let's all read it together. Ready? The godly are generous givers. So God's called us to boldness, and he's called us to generosity. So let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for the joy of your word that brings truth, and that truth frees us to experience everything you have for us. Anoint my words, anoint our hearts to hear and receive it. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody shout it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. As we've been talking about generosity, we've realized that we've had to do that um, in context. And the context is we've been talking um, about Nehemiah in the book of Nehemiah, his journal of, of his story of how he went back to Jerusalem and rebuilt the walls of the city. That God's people had come back and built the house of God. They were surviving, but they weren't thriving. How many here have, have been seasons in your life where you just felt like you were surviving, not thriving? And I truly believe God wants to bring us into a, a greater place of his promises and his blessings. And so Nehemiah, as he began to do that, he was a generous man, which I'll talk about in a minute. But before we talk about generosity, he had to deal with another issue first. And that was the issue of honoring the tithe Um, to the king or the tithe to God because what had happened is God's people had quit tithing and so when they rebuilt the walls the first thing he does is he calls the people in and they confess their sins and they say Lord we're gonna repent of our sins ask for forgiveness and we're gonna turn repent means to go the other way we're gonna start doing your commands we're gonna honor you with the tithe and so we've learned about tithing which is bringing the first 10% of your income back to God in his house um, your local church. We learned that tithing is about the percentage, which is 10%. So if you make $1,000, you bring $100 to God's house first. And we learned that, that it's about the percentage. We learned that it's not only about the percentage, but we learned that it's about the order that we give to God first. And so our, our heart is, instead of making the mortgage company first, we make God first. And then we learned the last thing, it's about control. And that is that we learned that God wants to, to make sure that we take our hands off it. And a lot of people think they're being generous, but what they're actually doing is they're trying to control the 10% that's God's and give some of it over here and I'll give to this mission over here and I'll give to the people in need and I'll give some to my church. But what we realize is that what you're doing is you're trying to be generous with somebody else's money. 
because the 10% belongs to God. And we learned even in Leviticus that God said, don't do it your way. Don't think you can offer the sacrifice out in the field or in the, in, in the town. You got to bring it to my house, your local storehouse, and take your hands off of it and let the priest then be responsible for it. And so we learned that that's what, what I believe clearly biblical tithing is, is it's bringing all 10% to your local church, taking your hands off it and say, God, it's yours. I'm not going to be responsible for it. I'm going to let your priest. And what did the Bible say in Leviticus? It became a sweet aroma unto God. And so what happens is a lot of people are thinking they're generous, generous but what we learn basically is this, is that generosity begins at 11%. Because it's when we start using the 90 that belongs to us, that's when we're really generous. Because now it's our portion. It's not his. It'd be like me trying to grab someone's wallet, taking some money out, and then saying, I want to bless somebody and giving them money. How many know I'm not really giving them money? I'm just taking somebody else's to do it. Y'all with me? Y'all still out there? Come on, somebody say amen. All right. So we learned a lot about it because a lot of times people haven't really realized what the Bible teaches. And, and from the very beginning of time, what have we tried to do? We've tried to control what's God's. Remember in the garden, God said, all of this is yours, but this tree is mine. And what happens? We want to control it. And so God's trying to teach us, take your hands off of my portion, because here's the point. If you'll return the 10%, the 90% will be more blessed. You'll be more blessed with the 90 than if you try to control or keep all 100% for yourself or, or try to use it for other things. And so he said, if you do, here's the blessing that's going to come. I'm going to rebuke the devourer in other words, things that would try to rob from you physically, mentally, spiritually, financially. I'm going to rebuke the devourer and I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and bless you in supernatural ways that go beyond nat the natural. And, and why does that happen? Because every king, they're responsible to, to what? Protect their realm from invasion or from, you know, that's why they have police officers so your next neighbor can't rob, next door neighbor can't rob from you. So they protect the realm and they provide economy so that you can have, right? They try to help the economy so that you can have a job and provide for yourself. So what happens when we honor the king and we give the tithe, we're coming under the authority of the king of kings and now can experience the blessings of his kingdom, which is his protection and his provision. Come on, somebody say amen. How awesome is that? And so I've found over the years that God blesses. Now, I want to tell you a story, a testimony, and then we're going to dive into our message um, for the, the rest of the series here and wrap it up. But first of all, let me say, if you've come today, and, and it cracks me up because I had someone tell me this today. They said, Pastor, for months and months, I've been trying to get my friend to church, and they just happened to come on the weekend that you're talking about giving. Come on, how many have ever had that happen? <laughs> so if you came today, first of all, let me just say, you might probably don't hear this much, but... You don't have to give to come to church and you don't even have to give to get to heaven. You don't. You don't have to tithe to get to heaven. The Bible says we're saved through faith in Christ alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. In fact, if you give or don't give at this church, I'll never know because I have no idea what people give. I made the decision when we started the church, I didn't want to know, I didn't want to see. But I'm gonna tell you this, you don't have to give to get to heaven. I won't be tempted to, you know, here's my thing. I didn't want to know because I didn't want to be tempted to go, why don't you sit up front? I'm just being honest. Come on, I'm being real. I'm thankful. Praise God. Come sit up front. How are you? I don't want to be tempted to do that. So I don't know. But here's the point. Whether you give or you don't, I will tell you this. I believe the Bible teaches so clearly that you will never live the best and most blessed life until you learn the power of honoring God's portion and walking in generosity. And all of you that believe that, say amen. amen. So listen, 
Come back next week. I'm not teaching on giving if you're new, all right? <laughs> we, we do this about once a year. Why? Because we have so many new people that get saved and come to the church. This is one of foundational principle. We want them to experience the best and blessed life that God has for them. Just like we teach on giving and healing, we do it every year. Why? Because we want to all experience God's best. How many want to experience God's best? <laughs> amen. So give me a little favor today, amen? Give me a little grace as we dive in. This family I'm going to share with you right now, they believed in tithing, and so they began to tithe. They were faithful with the tithe, and they shared me, with me this story. So we've been in the process of receiving an inheritance from um, our parents' estate. Not a fortune, but also not an insequential amount of money. You may know this, but after Brexit, the pound, which is the, the, the dollar basically in Britain, it basically tanked against the dollar which obviously devalued what we would be receiving and what was coming to us. So I gave it to the Lord and I decided I'm not gonna keep checking the daily rates of the pound because it fluctuates. The, the, the estate settled somewhere around September, October and our attorney somehow managed to send all the money to my brother instead of us, which meant it was delayed for a while and he made a joke in there about how that his brother went and looked at Porsche's but then felt, didn't fall to the temptation and decided to send the money anyway. He said, so it was delayed. He said, then, um, when we finally got all the information together for the attorney, he went on vacation for a month and it was delayed again. Then, I sent all my information to the, the bank to make sure that the international transaction could happen and we found out that there was a problem and they couldn't give us the money until after the first of the year. So we waited and we started 21 days of fasting and prayer. And as we began to fast and pray, I just decided to not think about it. And so I put it out of my mind, basically, he says. But I reconfirmed that they had all the financial information to send the money. We didn't receive it during the 21 days. And my wife said that it was a divine delay. Finally, when the 21 days of fasting and prayer was over, it happened to hit on a Tuesday and when we looked at the number, it was way above and beyond what we thought we would ever receive. So in confusion, I got on my phone and I texted my brother and I said, what happened? And he said, you're not going to believe this, but it just so happened that on the day that it transferred, the pound raised to its highest value since Brexit came two years ago. And we ended up with more than $20,000 more than we had thought we were going to receive. Why? Because God can open the windows of heaven and do something that you and I can't do on our own. Come on, somebody say amen. So we learned the principle is if we're going to talk about generosity, we've got to start by making sure that we honor the Lord's portion. The first 10% goes to him because generosity begins at 11%. Because we can't be generous with someone else's money. So if it belongs to the Lord, we're going to give it to him. Now, out of our portion, when times come for generosity, to help someone in need, to give to missions, now we're positioned to be generous. Here's the reality. A lot of people want to be blessed in their finances. They want to have authority in their finances. But here's the reality. I want to give you a great thought. You will never have authority over an area you're disobedient in. Can I say that again? You'll never have authority over an area you're disobedient in. 
So what we've been learning is, Lord, help us to walk in obedience to what, what the scriptures teach so that we can then stand before you under your authority to experience all the promises you have for us. So we learn about generosity is the 90% that we have. And we, we read a, a verse where Nehemiah talks about generosity. In fact, he prays a prayer. He says, remember, O oh God, all that I have done for these people and bless me for it. Basically, what Nehemiah does is he, he blesses God's people. He was a man of tithing. He honored the law. But he also gave of his own resources to bless people from his table, people in the city. And he prays a prayer and says, God bless me for it. And we learned last week, the second week was that generosity, it's okay for you and I to pray that God will bless us. And we learn that God does want to prosper us. Now, we're not preaching prosperity gospel to its extreme because here's what prosperity gospel to its extreme says. God came, died on a cross to forgive me and make me rich. And the reality is that it creates a mindset that God makes us rich so that we can have more and consume more. Now, God's not against you driving a nice car. He wants to bless you so that you can have the things you need. But he wants to bless you so that you're in a position to bless others. So God came to forgive us and he wants, the Bible says, for us to prosper as our soul prospers. So he wants your spiritual person to prosper. He wants you to financially prosper. He says in in Jeremiah, what does he say? I know the thoughts I have towards you. Thoughts of a hope, thoughts to prosper you. And that word prosper means to prosper and not harm you. So God does want to prosper us, but here's why. So that you can be generous. He wants to bless you to be a blessing. The problem is a lot of us, our mindset is that when we get blessed, it's how can we get more? How can we get bigger? How can we devour for ourselves? That's why the Bible says you ask, you don't get it because you don't ask. So you have not because you ask not. Or when you do ask, you ask amiss so that you can devour it from your own motives. So God wants to bless us to be a blessing. So you all still with me? Say amen. So we learned last week that it's okay to ask God to bless us and that bless, and that supernatural or giving can be a, a, a way to bring supernatural breakthrough. And I shared the story of how God answered our prayer just a few weeks ago and brought our son home who had been a prodigal and now he's in a program. And, and we really believe that that happened through my wife and I and our family making this amazing, generous gift for us. That, that was part of it along with the prayers of God's people. and God's working in his life. And, and, and he's blessing and, and we're excited about the new season and we're, we're, we're all growing and we're all learning. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. So I want to give you three principles now out of a passage in, in the New Testament that I believe will teach us as we wrap this series up about generosity. And I want to give you point number one and it's simply this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Bold generosity is contagious. Bold generosity is contagious. Bible says in 2 Corinthians, now let, me, let me set this passage up for you. Paul is writing to a church and he's talking to the church not about tithing. He's talking to them about generosity, giving out of the 90% because the people were going to give a missions offering above and beyond giving to help the, the um, church in Jerusalem and they're in the city of Corinth. So watch what he says as you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, I don't really need to write you about this ministry of giving. We learned last week that God wants us to excel. In fact, it's in the chapter before this. He wants us not only to excel in love and in faith, but excel in generosity and giving, right? And she says, I don't need to, write, need to really write you about this ministry of giving. You realize that your giving is a ministry? God sees it as ministry. So I don't need to write you about your ministry of giving for believers in Jerusalem or this offering you're going to give to Jerusalem. He says, for I know how eager you are to help. And that you were ready to send an offering a year ago. You are ready to give a year ago, he says. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. 
So, so let me set the stage here for you. What happened was is a prophet named Agabus prophesied that there was going to be a drought um, in Jerusalem. The drought hasn't even happened yet. By the way, historically, it happens two years later. But God's people realize that God has spoken and they want to be generous and they want to help so that when the drought comes, the church is able to move forward, help the people in need, do what it needs to do for the kingdom of God. So they start planning to give to this thing. And when they start talking about it and when they start praying about it and, and planning, it causes the church in Macedonia to want to do the same thing because generosity spreads. Let me ask you a question. How many of you here have ever met a tightwad? Come on, you, you know what I'm talking about. And when they walk, it sounds like this. Come on, right? Squeaky, come on. How many of you have ever met a generous person? Right? And my wife, Devet, is generous. She's one of these kind of people that is so generous. That literally, if, if, if you like compliment her necklace or something and she feels led, she'll take the necklace off and give it to you. Just the way she is. And I, when I met her, I was squeaky. And what happened, though, is over time, because of watching and seeing her heart of generosity, the next thing you know, I'm finding myself, like the Macedonian church, I'm wanting to be generous. I'm wanting to help others. We're suddenly now, as, as a family, we're now, it, it's different. Because let me tell you something, generosity, it's contagious. Not in a negative form like a disease, but in a good way. And the question is, is what are you passing on to your children? Because you know when it goes to the next generation, it's usually on another level. The question is, is uh, are your kids, are your neighbors, are the people around you, uh, are, are your offspring, are they going to be people who are afraid about what's going to happen in the future? Seem to never have enough. Question whether the Bible is really true with that whole tithing thing. Because by the way, if it's not true about that one, then why don't we throw out a lot of the other stuff that's in there too? Or are your children going to be, I believe in God. I trust his word. I walk in generosity. I got to tell you that I'm so blessed because my kids, it got passed down for my parents are the same way. I recently had a conversation with my son and we we're talking and he basically said this. He said, dad, he goes, I can't imagine living life and not tithing. He said, I can't imagine doing that. In fact, my children, literally everything that comes into them that they consider income, even he just had a birthday and we, we did an event together and he got some money for his birthday. Immediately, he's already pulling out his tithe to give to the church because even when he gets money for his birthday, if, if it's coming in, then I'm gonna honor God with it. He can't, we talked about it. He said, Dad, I, I would never wanna be in a position where I was outside of God's best. I wanna be positioned for his best best and his blessings in my life. See, it's contagious. And what happened was is suddenly the Macedonian church, they're like, hey, we want to give. And, and it's interesting because I was, I was talking about this and I used this story um, uh, this last year. Many of you know my, my son Tanner and, and some other guys here in the church that were, were interns and they decided to ride across America on their bicycles. And here's why, because they wanted to raise money and raise awareness to set women free from, from sex trafficking. And so they rode 3,200 miles across the country. And it was one of the hardest things they ever did. And here's what's interesting. They didn't have any money. And, and I'll never forget my son Tanner one day coming in and saying, Dad, I'm just scared. I'm like, why are you scared? He goes, well, what if we ride all the way across the country and nobody gives any money and we don't help anybody? I said, well, that'd be a long-wasted ride. 
But it was a good, you know, good thought. He's like, I- I'm praying, Dad, that we'll, we'll do something and make a difference. And, and suddenly what happened is, is they got someone to give them some money. They gave them $1,000. And when they did, God spoke to their heart. And here's what he said. Give 700 of it to Higher Vision Church. This was the first thousand they ever got. And they had to get their equipment. They had to buy bikes. They had to then, once they bought the bikes, they had to get their supplies. And then everything they wanted to do was raise the money to set as many people free as possible. And he reminded me after service, he said, Dad, remember, we gave that money. And he said, we went out the next day and we went out on the corner, street corner, in the middle of Valencia, holding up signs, riding across America. And someone stops and write, a random person writes us a check for $1,000. And when the ride was over, some of you, it was amazing to see how people in our church started giving. I, last year at women's conference, I got up and shared how God had, they were almost to New York. And when they got to New York, they were gonna finish the ride and how they, God had opened a door to get on the Mike Huckabee show where they could share the message, but they didn't have enough money to fly to, 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 the, you know, to Nashville. And suddenly people started saying, well, I'll give, I'll give. And before we knew it, within just a couple minutes, we had enough money to fly them to New York so that they could go on the show. And when it was all said and done, over $50,000 was raised, hundreds of women's got women got set free why because generosity is contagious come on somebody say amen so what are you passing off to your children second thing is this bold generosity creates a generosity plan this is where i think a lot of people miss it when it comes to generosity i want to read to you what he goes on to say because he starts off and he says hey you guys have affected the people around you now they're being generous and then he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, but I'm sending these brothers to be sure you're really ready. In other words, you're prepared. As I have been telling them and that your money is all collected. So I want to make sure that you've, you've got the money you said you want to give. So what do you do? He goes on to say, so I thought I would send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want to be, it to be a willing gift, not one giving grudgingly. So here's what you do. You must each, what is the next word? Decide in your heart how much to give. In other words, make a plan. Figure out a way of how you're going to do this. Come up with a decision here and a plan to be generous. And don't give reluctantly or in, or in response to pressure. A lot of times people do that as they hear something and they feel pressure and then they give. God says don't give that way. Give it with, with a cheerful heart to say, God, I'm doing this for you. When, when I shared the story last week of how, how our family, we, we, we took something that was very precious to us that we're holding in our hand and we decided to give it to missions to help us send the message of the love of Jesus around the world. We did it not to get something. We did it because God told us to. But we also knew that God could multiply and bless it and, and we were some things that we were believing for. So we did it cheerfully and it was like, if nothing comes back, if things don't happen the way we want to, God, we're doing it cheerfully. We've made the decision in our heart. This is how we're gonna be generous. And so we did. And so he says, don't do it from pressure. I hope you know here at Higher Vision that I hope you never feel pressured to give. We're not trying to pressure you. All we're doing is sharing the truth of God's word and laying it before you and letting the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. He says, why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. You know what I figured out? is that most of the time, generosity doesn't happen by accident. Here's why. Because most people usually end up running out of month before they run out of money. Come on, how many know that life, unexpected things come up? Like all the time. Come on, if you have kids, you'd say amen right now, right? Come on, how many of you ever figured out? It just seems like stuff always comes up. Like the, the, the month that you know is already tight, you get invited to like 12 birthday parties. Come on, how many of you I'm telling you? <laughs> 
And so what happens? We, we're, we're, we're like, oh no, what are we going to do? And, and, and things will happen in life. The question is, are you creating a plan so that you can be generous? Because let me show you a great verse. It says it even clearer in the book of Isaiah, what we just read in, in the book of Corinthians. Here's what it says. Generous people, what's the next word? Plan to do what's generous. And I love this. I don't think they got, they got through this in by accident. And they stand firm in their generosity. In other words, Lord, I'm committed to give to missions this year. And even though stuff comes up, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let the pressure, I'm not going to let the fear stop me from being generous. So here's what I want to do. I want to just real quickly give you a five-step generosity plan. Because if, if you don't have one, I, I, I guarantee you won't be able to be as generous as you want to be. A lot of people want to be generous, but we can't. So let's come up with a plan. Let's, let's find out a plan of how to be generous. You all with me? Say amen. amen. All right. So here's the first plan. Number one, honor the tithe. Now some of you are saying, you already talked about that. Yeah, but if we're going to really be generous, here's my point. God said, I'll bless you more with the 90 than if you keep all 100. So I'm just, I'm laying that foundation biblically. I promise you, I believe this with all my heart. The best way to be positioned to be generous is to make sure you bring the whole tithe into your storehouse because the 90 will always be more blessed than if you try to do something with the 10, okay? So number one, honor the tithe. Number two, follow a budget. Come on, I heard some of you just went Debbie Downer on me right now. <laughs> mwah, mwah. Budget, some of you punched each other. The one that doesn't like the budget is the one that got punched. I didn't mean to start an argument with you married couples. Follow a budget. Why am I bringing that up? Because here's the reality. Is, is, you know, so many times people want to be a blessing, but here's the problem. They don't know exactly what is going out. They don't know really what they're spending their money on. Because listen, I'm going to tell you, if you don't direct your money, your, your money will direct you. If you don't tell your money where to go, your money will tell you where to go. And so what we have to do is we have to have an idea of, okay, how much do I bring in? And now what, are, what is going out? What are my monthly obligations? You know, for me, okay, the tithe, first percent goes to the Lord. Okay, here's the 90%. Here's what I've got. And we've got what? House rent or, or house payments or, or car, some of us have car payments or we have whatever it might be. I've got bills to pay, electricity and so on. And, and so you budget, why? So that you know when you get to the end of the month, what you're bringing in, you can handle it. The problem is a lot of people don't. And so what happens is, is they say, well, I'm just gonna pay all my bills on my credit card. And then the next thing you know, because I'm gonna get the points, and at the end of the month, they don't have enough to pay off the credit cards. So now they've got 500 on there and then they've got 1,000 on there. Then they've got 2,000 on there and then what ends up happening? Now they've got all kinds of debt and they're struggling to make the payment. Why? Because their money's telling them what to do, not telling their money what to do. Come on, y'all still with me? Say amen. Come on, just getting real in, in God's house. So we wanna know. And so as we begin to plan and say, God, show me how I can budget my money well. Maybe talk with a financial advisor or, or go on and find resources that can help. My family and I, when we first started, Devet and I, we developed a budget. And why do we do that? Because there's things that'll come up that you won't be ready for. Come on, how many here have a car? How many know that during this year, you may not realize it, but if you don't budget it, you're gonna end up in a couple months needing to do the oil change on your car and you're gonna need 60 bucks or 80 bucks or whatever it is to do it. And if you didn't budget it, if you don't have it there, it's gonna go on the credit card. I mean, at least within the next two years, your car's going to need new tires. 
I mean, no, that's not cheap. It's like $10,000 for tires nowadays. I mean, it's like crazy. You're like, what? How much? Can I just get the tube? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, can I get one? I don't care if it's yellow. I want one. So if you don't plan, because here's, we learned a few weeks ago, right? If you fail to plan, you're really planning to fail. So develop a budget. Because if you have a budget, now you can plan. You can plan. Okay, I'm going to put $20 a month away. And in two years, when it comes time to get those tires, I'm going to have $400 in the, in the bank or $440 in the bank. So you plan. Because here's the, here, here's the reality is we, we've got to, if we, if, we plan to, if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. So number one, if you're going to be generous, honor the tithe, follow budget. Here's the next one. You ready? Pay down your debt. I want to encourage you, when it comes to credit card debt or other kinds of debt, whatever you can do, pay down your debt. Now, maybe you're not, how many you know some seasons you, you can't do much? Come on, kids' braces, college, unexpected things, things come up. But you know what? If you're intentional, you can do something. Even five extra dollars on the principal. Lord, I'm going to be intentional because if you're not careful, how many know that debt can grow? And then suddenly you're under the burden of the debt. So having a plan to pay down your debt. The fourth thing, here's a big one. This is where a lot of people miss this. Develop additional income streams. Maybe you're here and you're coming out of college and you got a job and you, you moved in with some friends and things are tight and you're like, you know, Pastor, I'd love to give to missions, but, you know, I, I just can't really afford much. I'd love to give $50 this year to missions. It's only, you know, a few, few dollars a week. Now, I'd love to do it, but, but you don't understand. Things are tight. Well, guess what? If you know what you're spending and you know what you're bringing in, sometimes you can say, God, give me new ways to bring more in. Maybe you borrow your dad's lawnmower. And on the weekend, you get two clients. And now suddenly you're bringing in a couple hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. Oh, that's a good, that's a good yard right there. I want that yard. Maybe a hundred, two hundred dollars a month now you could bring in by doing something on the side. And now that becomes your generous fund. Maybe financially you're spending more than you're making. You cut, but not only you cut, you say, okay, Lord, help me to do so. I, had, I talked to someone recently who they were struggling and so they started buying things on eBay cheaper and selling it for more. And now they bring in like over $1,000 a month doing a little side business. So, so sometimes we don't realize if you want to be generous, maybe the way to be generous is Lord, help me to be a good steward because uh, I want to be a good steward because you bless stewardship because if you make me faithful with little, the Bible says you'll make me Lord over more. So honor the tithe, follow a budget, pay down your debt, develop additional income streams, and now the last one, save something, even if it's a little bit. So you have a little bit of an emergency fund to pull out of. I used to teach back several years ago that everybody should have a $1,000 emergency fund. So if you didn't plan for the tires, you can buy the tires. Or if something happens and your kid needs a crown, you don't have to take out a loan for $20,000. How many know dental work is expensive? You got money for, to pay. So I want to encourage you. But here's what the Bible says. The generous plan to be generous. And they stand firm in their generosity. Come on, somebody say amen. Can I just say, I know this is a sensitive thing, talking about money, but I, I just want you to hear my heart today. I, I hope you know I'm not in any way trying to manipulate you, trying to emotionally compel you. Here's what I want to do. I want to challenge you with the truth of God's word. I was, I was incredibly 
um, not rebuked, but I felt the Holy Spirit speak sternly to me when I read through the book of Malachi, which Malachi was written at the time of Nehemiah. He was a contemporary of Nehemiah. And basically, God was angry at his people, and he was trying to bring correction. He was angry at his people, and he was angry at the pastors. He was angry at the people because they weren't willing to tithe, and because they were involved in sexual immorality. But he was angry at the pastors because the pastors were not willing to preach the truth and call the people to repentance from sin. And as your pastor, I stand before you today. I'm not preaching my philosophy. I'm preaching his truth. And I want to stand before him one day and him say, well done. And if this is an area of struggle for you, I'm challenging you. Don't live in fear. Be a person of faith and trust the Lord. And if you've not honored him, repent of that and say, God, forgive me. Give me the faith and help me to walk faithfully before you. I want to give you the last point and we're going to end with this. Bold generosity releases supernatural multiplication. Bold generosity releases supernatural multiplication. I want to explain this. When you read the story in, in Corinthians, what you sense and see is that sometimes God will take when we do that 90 that's ours, when we give sacrificially that way, it, it unlocks a spiritual principle that releases heaven to pour down blessings. Here's what I believe. I believe it's, it's these moments of sacrificial giving that unlocks your ability to receive blessings that money can't buy. How many know that a heavenly blessing is more, more than money. The problem is when you hear teaching on, like even last week I shared about how that we gave a sacrificial gift, believing for a breakthrough. And it was connected to a lot of prayer and a lot of things. But God did a miracle, the beginning of a miracle. The challenge is when people hear that, if they're not careful, what the devil tells them is, oh, so you mean God is my Holy Spirit slot machine. So, in other words, they get, they, they get deceived in their thinking a little bit and they go, well, I can be a bad steward of my money, not honor God's portion, but if I give a big offering to God and I throw it in the slot machine, boom, I'm hitting the lottery. And what I want to say is that what we need to understand is that when God begins to talk about blessing us and multiplying, it's always in the context of his truth. And here's what his truth says. The Bible says in Proverbs that if, that get quick rich schemes fail and leave you destitute, but gathering little by little will make you prosperous and wealthy. And so what it's teaching us is that it's not about a one moment, it's about a principle that we live by. And so I want to I phrase this in the context of don't use this, this thing to go, well, you know what? I'm getting my tax return and I've got a bill to pay, but instead I'm going to give all the money to God and because of that, I'm going to get a huge return on my money. I'm going to get a 100% return and God's going to bless me. Sometimes, let me say, sometimes God will do supernatural, miraculous things like that. But I believe in, in general what God is teaching us. Be a good steward, honor my portion, and when I lead you, give generously and watch what I will do. Let's see what the scripture says. Y'all still with me? You understand that? Can everybody receive that? Okay. Second Corinthians. So now remember, he said, you're generous. It was contagious. Everybody started getting generous. And then he went on to say, so decide, come up with a plan. Then he says, now that I've taught you about how to do it, let me tell you why. Because this is the principle behind it. 
Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a little crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Another crop. In other words, the point is, is that if you give generously, it's a multiplication principle that God brings upon your life. So for people that just give a little bit and give little bits, they get little bits in return. Because God multiplies. Aren't you thankful that God multiplies? So, so what he's teaching us is this, is be generous, be bold in your generosity. Because you see, what you keep is all you have, but what you release is what I'll multiply. So then he goes on to say this, he says, and remember this, this is big. And God will, what's the next word? Come on, you all can do better than that. God will what? Generously provide all you need. Can I stop right there and say, notice that God says you're gonna get all you need on the other side of generosity, not the other way around. So he says, God provides all you need, and watch why. This is why. It's not so we can just have a bigger house and a nicer car, which, listen, it's okay to get a nicer house and a nicer car as long as you have a heart of generosity. But he says, here's why. You'll be generous. You'll get, you'll, he'll provide your needs so that you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. For God is the one who provides the seed to the, to the farmer and then bread to eat. Let's see how he says it in the same way. He will provide and increase your resources, then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. God wants to grow a generous spirit inside of you, but he can't grow it in you until you let something go. So he says, if you, I found this to be true. It seems like the people that never have enough are the ones who aren't generous and don't honor God with the tithe. I'm just telling you, from what I've seen over the years. And yet, on the other side, it's the ones who really do tithe, who really are generous, that seem to always have more and give more. Why? Because God says, I'm the one that gives it to you all anyway. And when I see a generous heart, guess what? I'm gonna increase. And it's gonna be a supernatural increase. It's gonna be above and beyond, open up the windows of heaven increase. I had someone recently tell me, and I'll end with this. I was talking to them and they said, you know, Pastor Jared, I, I, we've tried to be generous over the years and this is a family that's done very well. And, um, and they said, you know what we've done is we, we bought this stock several years ago and it just exploded. It just grew and grew. And so what we started doing is we started giving. Every time it would grow, we would give. In fact, they gave not long ago to one of the projects that we had here and they came to me and said, the only reason I knew about their giving and who they were is because they talked to me about it. They said, hey, we want to give this. And, 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 and by the time they gave it, here's what's crazy because it was in stocks and things. They had to get the money transferred. We had to do all this stuff. They said, you're never going to believe this. They said, this just happens all the time. Before we even got the money out of our account, the stock increased so much that we've gotten back the money that we just gave. Why? Because God is not mocked. What a man sows, he's going to reap. And here's how he's going to reap. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Come on, how many have ever gotten a Slurpee? Come on, when you get a Slurpee, you don't just fill it up. You get it in there and then you shake it so it settles. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? And then you pour it till it gets to a little bit below the top. But then when you take it out, it grows and it goes over the top and runs down the side and you get to lick it. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? God says, when I 
give back to you, when I multiply back to you, it's good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Here's the thing. I'm going to end with this. A lot of us, and I'm going to speak about me, many times we give and we do it grudgingly. And here's why. Because it hurts so bad because we didn't have a generosity plan. Or because we had bad stewardship. And then what happens is we blame God. Because we're not seeing the things that we believe the Bible teaches. And I got to tell you, it changes so much when you honor the Lord with his portion and then you develop a plan and you start giving and you do it and you do it in a way where you're like, whether I get a blessing or not, this feels good to give. God, you do whatever you want to do. Man, it's like, here's what the Bible says. There's a passage that says that the blessings will overtake you in the field and in the city. They'll overwhelm you. You start seeing things like all over the place. Like, wow, wow, look at that. And you'll find blessings in other areas besides your checkbook. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Because God has a way of supernatural multiplication. Sometimes what needs to be multiplied is a heart at peace. Maybe it's a healing in your body. Maybe it's a relationship. But I'm going to tell you, God blesses those who are bold and who are generous. There was a little girl who came to a pastor in 1922, I think it was. And she said, Pastor, I don't like to go to Sunday school. And he says, why? She goes, because it's so full. And I get scared when I'm in there. He said, looked at her and he said, well, honey, one day we're going to have enough money to build a big enough place where we can get everybody in. Two weeks later, that little girl died. And at the funeral, when it was over, this true story, the mom came to the pastor and said, Pastor, this was under, and her name was Hattie Mae Wyatt, was under Hattie's bed. It was a little paper bag, and she gave it to him, and he opened it up, and inside was 57 cents and a note. And it said, this is so the church can get bigger and everyone can get in. When he saw it, he was moved and he was touched. So he decided to do something, and he started a campaign. He actually started a nonprofit organization. And he took the 57 cents and got pennies, and he sold the pennies, the Hattie Mae Foundation. First time he sold the 57 pennies, and he got $250 for the 57 pennies, and he got the 57 pennies given back. Then he did it again. He took the 250 plus the 57, and he sold those. 27 years later, he did a sermon, and it was called this. It was called, What God Can Do with 57 cents. And he tells a story how that 27 years later, now in the place where that little church was, they had a congregation of 5,600, a building that would hold them. It had a hospital that they had built where thousands of people came and got health care and were healed. And a university was built where 80,000 students came and learned about Jesus in a Christian environment. And over 2,000 people were now in the mission field preaching the gospel because God can supernaturally multiply 57 cents. Here's the problem. I don't have much, much to give, Pastor Jared. 
You don't understand. I'm, I'm in college or, or I'm on a fixed income. I had a precious lady come up to me last week. She said, Pastor, please, please, please tell people that they can tithe even if they're on a fixed income because I've been doing it for years. People say, how do you do it? Because God's word's true, she said. She said, you tell them, Pastor, you tell them. It's true. And what we do is we undervalue our 57 cents. What miracles are waiting on the other side of our clenched hands? What could God do if we were bold and generous?